0: to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guys Tevin and Q in here. I'm your host Kyle Coglitori and we have the pleasure of having certified personal trainer and former D1 swimmer Ashley Dreskowski who's actually from Minnesota. You're from Monticello right? How are you doing Ashley? I am.
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it guys.
0: Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you coming on. So again D1 swimmer you go to the University of Akron you tear it up you actually break quite a few records there. I, I've got your your, your stuff. I'm, I don't personally know much about swimming, so you'll have to, <laughs> swim on it, you know what I mean. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it looks like you you raced. So what's what's the difference between short course and long course? Because I'm seeing there's even a 200 freestyle in short course. Yeah.
1: So short course is competed in the winter. Long course is competed in the summer. So when you guys see the Olympics, you see a really, really long pool. That's long course meters. And then again, in the winter season, we do short course yards. So just a different size of the pool, different time of the year.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So, I mean, you did a lot of events. Would you be doing these right after each other the whole time?
1: They'd be different days. I mean, sometimes you would have, like, a couple couple events within a day if it was only, like, a one-day meet. But if typically it was a longer two-, three-day meet, then you do different days of the, your events. But, yeah, it was a distance freestyle, 200 500,000 mile. So, anything over...
2: A
3: mile swim? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> the distance life chose me. I did not choose it. But, you know what? I was good at I know I was good at it. But, yeah, anything over... 20 laps was my race. Yep.
3: Will you, and and when you say- Go ahead, Tevin. Oh, sorry, when you say like the events were on different days, is was that in high school as well, or was that just in college?
1: In high school, just like in college, if you have a dual meet, which would just be like a one-day meet, you may compete all your events in one day. So high school typically was all one day, except when you would have like your championship meet. Yeah. In college, same thing. You would have a couple cha- You would have one championship meet, but you would have a couple invites. So there may be like three or four day meets, and then you would have your events broken up. But there are oh, sometimes okay. where you'd be swimming your event. If you made it to finals, you would swim your event twice in that day. So it, it could end up being a long day of swimming. Yep.
0: Holy crap! So do, I mean, how do you even stay with the stamina for that? I mean, swimming's the <laughs> hardest thing I've ever done.
1: Period. I mean. <laughs> We swam a lot. I mean, we were swimming 40 hours a week when I was in college, morning practices, afternoon practices. We'd have 10,000-yard practices in an afternoon. I mean, we had dry land practices a couple of days a week, weight, weight training. I mean, it never ended. So, I mean, when I train my guys, that's honestly what I talk about, not just like talking about my glory days. i like, y- y'all got to have the stamina. So we're going to be going in your workout. You're going to go, go, go. There's no rest. You don't get to call a water break. You don't get to call a timeout in this. So
0: do you incorporate a lot of pool workouts then with your clients?
1: Not right now. Cause I don't have any injured. Thankfully, if I have injured clients, then yes. Then I throw them in the pool. Um, it's just a better way to take the impact off their joints. Or if they've hit a lot of um, mileage on their bodies and there's like too much impact, then I'll bring them in the pool.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So luckily, you deal with a lot of high school kids where it's not as much of an issue. They don't have too much mileage yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's the thing is like you got to keep them healthy so they can play through college and MBA.
0: That's incredible. Well, I also read that you your degrees you you're not your degrees are not in health. Your degrees no. are in uh, marketing, communications, and public relations. Yep. So yep. what made you drop all of that and get into being a personal
1: trainer? I hated sitting at a desk. <laughs> I look forward to going to the gym, but during my entire time of being at college and while I was swimming full-time, I mean, I was also coaching. I was a swim coach. I was a strength and conditioning coach during that those years. I was coaching anywhere age group through master's. So like my youngest student was three years old and my oldest was 92. Oh, really? So I was coaching during the time of being in college and swimming, but then afterwards, as I was in my working career, I was coaching as well. I just love being there. I love being able to see them progress and the excitement people had when they came into practice. I'm like, this is where I need to be. This is where I can have an impact in people's lives.
0: That's awesome. So then how does a girl from Monticello end up becoming this huge hub with Hopkins? I mean, you have this great connection there where you're training the top athletes, some in the country in the sport of basketball, which is insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, thank you.
0: Monticello got a highway <laughs> straight to
1: Hopkins. And goes out of... <laughs> Not quite. I I didn't want to go back to Monticello when I moved back. So I because I left her school in Ohio and I came back to Minnesota and I moved straight to the city. I love being in the city because everything's close. Um, and truly being able to have that hub of Hopkins, it just, I mean, I got lucky. But I also just had an opportunity to be able to work with one person. And that's where it started. I started working with Zeke Naji. And he was an amazing player at Hopkins High School. His dad saw me coaching at Lifetime when I was there with some other clients. And he's like, I want that trainer. So I had the connection by his coach, his coach, Carrie Sutherland, and coach Kenny Novak from Hopkins. And they said, well, why don't we connect you with her? And they started training with me. And they liked it. I mean, when you start with one, then others start to come because it's a small community in the basketball community around here. They all start knowing what's going on with each other. Like, how did you get so much better? How did your vertical get better? How are your defense getting better? And they ask questions. So when I start getting communication from the parents and, you know, creating relationships with them, I'm also creating relationships with the coaches. And Hopkins is an amazing team, not just in Minnesota basketball, but in high school basketball around the country. I mean, you can consider Hopkins as like the UConn and the UNC and the Dukes of college basketball. Oh. Everyone knows about Hopkins; they're a big team. So, just starting with the one team and the one player, that kind of fed the rest of, I guess you say, the business. You know, mm-hmm. people started understanding like, wow, well, something's actually happening here, and it's not just what are they doing on the court.
0: Well, and, and that's how I—I I mean, Zeke, I, I've seen his transformation, not only his game, but physically like my favorite part of his game is actually his high motor he's always going but he's oh, yeah. physically put on a lot of weight it looks like he's thickened up a
1: lot yeah i mean i have pictures of him from when we first started like i said i started with him around his junior year and right before he started his senior year and he was he's a tiny little thing i mean tiny relative speaking yeah, he's, he's a giant <laughs> all, my player, <laughs> all my players are taller than me all of them but um, when we started, I mean, he was probably around like 220, 215-ish, I want to say. And by the time that I sent him off to college, he was about 235 or so. What's he trying and to get to for the league? Now he, we're trying to get him to 245. Nice. So getting a little bit more weight on him, which we've done pretty successfully. I mean, and still keeping him lean, that's important. Like you can eat and eat, but you don't train at the same time and eat correctly it may not be all the right weight that we want to put on him. We got to keep him quick still on his feet.
0: And he's, he is that he's definitely quick. (laughs) He's tenacious. He's he's a
1: quick guy. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I mean, so how, how strict and how hard is it with these high school kids to get them on a diet plan like that? How, how, how hard is it to, to watch over them and say, Hey man, you got to leave the sweets alone.
1: It, it definitely depends on the client. So if you're talking about Zeke, I mean, he's very disciplined. His family is very regimented, um, and that's just the way his whole family grew up. His dad is very on top of him, which is appreciative as a coach. You know, I never have to worry about whether or not he comes into practice. Did he eat or not? Did he get a full night's rest or not? How well is he going to perform? So I know that he's going to be taken care of, but he's also going to get – he's going to do that because he knows that's what, that's what it takes, right? in a couple other players it's like i don't know if you ate or not i have to ask when they come in so there's other ones that the clean opposite end of the spectrum it's like i can't get them to eat you know routinely enough to be able to gain the weight it's not even like hey lay off the sweets it's just i need you to eat just eat three meals please have protein have vegetables have some carbs in there just eat something before you come work out and then after you work out we need food in your body to fuel what we're trying to perform that's where the difficult part is, not about the food choices, if you will.
0: Who's the toughest client to get to eat?
1: <laughs> Kerwin Walton. Curl, you, <laughs> Mr. UNC? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's probably the most challenging to get to eat. Just, I mean, he'll eat, but it's, it's not because he doesn't want to. It's because he's working out all the damn time. This boy does not stop going. I'll have to pull him from the court. I'm like, when's the last time you ate? Uh, four hours ago. Okay, go eat. Go get a shake. Go get Chick-fil-A. I don't care. Eat something, please. Bring a PB&J with you.
0: (laughs) So, as we're talking about the other guys, you said Zeke, you said Kerwin. You also got our buddy Dawson Garcia on there, Paige Beckers. Uh, Zeke's sister, Maya, his cousin Elvis. Um, Camden Hyde. Am I saying his last name right? Hyde? Heidi. 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 And then Jameson Battle, Amaya Battle, Xavier White, Jalen Tremel. Uh, Andrew Chisley, Tyrell Sappington. Am I leaving anybody else out?
1: Um, There's two guys I actually just started with this week. Um, I started with Rashad and Noonie. They're both um, pro guys that play out in Europe, and they're home right now because of the pandemic and everything going on. Um, So we started this week, and let me tell you, these guys are clowns on on the court and in the weight room, but they can work hard, but we have a good time together we talking oh, about Mooney and Mott. Yep.
0: That's uh, a buddy of mine, Abba's little brother. Yep. Yep. Yeah, very uh, cool. We started
1: this. We started this week, and I don't. <laughs> I don't think they knew what they were getting into.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody throw up yet?
1: We yeah, we've had a couple people throw up, but I don't pride myself on that. To be honest with you, <laughs> so I never. You're I unlike- never.
3: Every other strength coach I've ever
1: had. <laughs> <laughs> to be uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, making someone throw up, I, I get to the point where I'm like, like I screwed up. If you're throwing up, I screwed up. I want you to work so hard that you feel like you potentially could, but I don't want you to actually too, because I want you to be able to keep going. But yes, there are people that they do throw up, and typically it's there because they just didn't eat before they worked out, or they weren't breathing well enough during their exercise, so all their oxygen is now going to the muscles, not to their brain. And now they're nauseous. And that's the problem It's like, you have to coach through the breathing and get them to learn how to move their bodies correctly first before they start getting heavy weights and then get to that point of like, I'm going to pass out.
0: Holy crap. I never even thought of the breathing part of it. So are you telling mm-hmm. them between sets, like make sure you're taking some big gulps or how does that work? I've never even heard that before.
1: Yeah. Um. So sometimes in, so I'll post their workouts on my Instagram story. And sometimes you'll hear me in the background telling them like their cues Um, but during every single exercise, I'm always telling them, breathe, breathe in on the way down, breathe, breathe out on the way up, depending on the type of exercise, right? Where the force of the exercise is, that's when you should be breathing out to give you your power. And if you're not doing so to be able to get enough oxygen into you, you don't have any power to get out of the hole. So helping them understand how do you breathe in those exercises helps them translate it to the court so that they can learn how to load their bodies to be able to get off the ground or to be able to attack better.
0: And do you specifically work with just basketball players or do you all athletes?
1: I mean, I do, I will work with all athletes, but majority of the people that I work with are basketball guys and girls. And that's just the way that it's kind of worked out. I mean, I've worked with, I've worked with tennis, I've worked with football, I've worked with swimming, I've worked with gymnasts and dancers. Um, Again, it just depends on like who's searching for some help, right? Yeah, no
0: kidding. How 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 like what kind of uh plan do you set up? Because each person's obviously different, everybody's unique, and you're dealing with people of all different sizes and weights yep. on top yep. of that. And they're trying to stay explosive. How do you come up with these programs uh specifically for each person?
1: Yeah, so depending on what they need and what their position is, that's kind of where I end up separating the type of workouts that we're doing. But the the meat and potatoes of the workout are all generally the same. And we differentiate it depending on, again, what their need is or where their injuries potentially have happened in the past. That's kind of where I separate it. But when you're dealing with someone that's as young as these guys are, you know, high school to college, again, the meat and potatoes are pretty much the same. There's just the changes in some of their agility work, some of their isolation work because they've had injuries or whatever it might be. And then when i down to when we work out together, their weights are going to be different. Their tempo of the exercise is going to be different. Do they need to learn how to load their bodies a little bit more? They're going to have more tempo. Um, you know, do they need to be able to move quicker? They're going to have a little bit more explosive type work. So that's kind of where I change it.
0: No kidding, man. That's incredible. That,
3: that's crazy. I, I'm impressed.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> so oh. Do you
3: have a? Do you have any type of program that for like you're known for? Like like okay Thursdays damn, we got to go to Ashley's little workout and we know it's going to be crazy because she's known for doing this better than other trainers in the, in the area.
1: My guys know that when they come in for, there's one day of the week, always one day that they have to do Bulgarian split squats and they hmm. dread that workout. Oh my gosh. I will have guys that will stall as much as they can. They'll take, they'll go to the bathroom, they'll go to the water break. <laughs> and I got to the point where I was like, okay, so today is Bulgarian split squat day go to the bathroom, go to get your water break now because we're about to start your entire workout and you're not leaving this room until the whole workout's done. So th- they will stall. Like they hate it. They hate it, but they do so well on this. Ex- it's just the one exercise. I don't know what it is. They hate that exercise.
3: And what's the difference between a regular back squat, front squat compared to a Bulgarian split so squat? So
1: Bulgarian split squat is basically a lunge with your back foot elevated.
3: So you're basically just okay. doing a
1: squat on one leg. And yep. with like a back squat, a front squat, you have a barbell on your back. I never put a barbell on any of my basketball guys' backs ever. And the only reason, because they their stature, they are so tall and long. I don't need the extra pressure on their spine. But also for them to be able to squat to the depth that I want them to squat at, it, it's counter. It's not going to work. I mean, I'd rather put them in a leg press so I can support their spine. I can support their upper body of their trunk so they don't have they don't get injuries. Um, so doing the single leg stuff it also helps so that I can bring down the weight and make a move a little bit slower, but it, it's kind of tedious for them because they want to go fast. And I'm like, Nope, you're not going fast. And they, I mean, you get winded quick with the tempo and such like your mm-hmm. heart's racing. It feels like you're doing cardio. They're like, I would rather run a mile or a marathon even than do this guy. <laughs> I have had guys that tell me like, I'll go run all day. I'll practice. If you let me not do this. I'm like, no,
3: Sorry. <laughs> it, do that do this those split squats do they come from something like in your past as an athlete that that was something that helped you out or is this where did you get this uh, Bulgarian split squat from?
1: A lot of athletes do Bulgarian split squats, a lot of bodybuilders do split squats. I do Bulgarian split squats in every single week of my workouts. Um, but they are they're a challenging exercise when you do them correctly. It's the best way to be able to load the hip, um, make sure that you're using your glutes, your hamstrings and your quads at the same time and being able to isolate one leg from the other with a basketball athlete, when you're jumping off of one foot so significantly often, and you're also running, you're basically on one foot majority of your time, that's the best way to be able to get your leg development a little bit more equal. We're never gonna be equal as humans from one side to the other, but that's the best way for, to make an athlete as equal as he can, so.
2: That makes sense. So I got a quick question. So how long are your workouts typically? I know there's some trainers that do it completely wrong and they have kids working out for, you know, two hours on specific parts of the body. I know it's more so, it could be short and sweet as long as it's efficient. So how how long are your workouts?
1: So my workouts are an hour. And in that hour, we get a dynamic routine. We get mobility done. We get core work done and we get a full body lift done. And then a cool down at the end. So I'm just stretching, foam rolling, whatever it might be. And they're doing full body days. My programs are typically listed out to be three to four days a week. I don't do muscle groups with these guys. They're an athlete, and they don't need to be doing that. If they're a bodybuilder, okay, we can do muscle groups, but that's not these guys. So there's shorter is better if, as long as you're getting the quality inside of it.
2: Yeah, I agree because, you know, there's a lot of trainers that are doing a lot of stuff with, you know, maximum rest in between different workouts. And then they're stalling out the workout for two and a half hours, two hours. Like that's way too long to be doing anything. Yeah. Like even on the court, that's a long time to work out. But I feel like an hour is efficient as long as you're getting your you know exercises in. You can have, you know, a decent amount of rest in between so your muscles can kind of refresh and then get, get right back after it
1: absolutely and every every athlete needs a different amount of rest in between their workouts as well their sets you know it, and that's one thing that i teach them as they're going through the workouts you have to be able to understand your body how does it feel between sets how quickly can you bring your heart rate down so that you can go into your next set and that way they can take that technique of how do you bring your heart rate down quicker to the court if you're running from one side of the court and now you got to sprint to the other side to defend your basket you know, and get into your defensive stance, how quickly can you bring your heart rate down? Because your heart rate's going to be kicking pretty hard when you get to the other side of the court. But if your heart came down faster than the guy that's coming down with the ball, you're ready to attack. And now you're better than the next player. But if you don't understand how to do so, then you're not going to be able to perform as well as you potentially could. So, again, I'm always trying to relate their workouts and their strength workouts to the court because that's what they get. That's what, that's what they'll resonate with them
2: it's crazy how like you know minor some of these things are but it's huge in perspective you know it's like heart rate you know that can play a difference in your performance and as you said with your lifts the breathing patterns like i found myself a couple of times you know breathing a little differently and you can tell from the results after the set it's like okay you know small breaths equal this you know larger breaths you know more time you know you feel more relaxed
1: yep absolutely they make a difference. Your breathing makes a whole lot of difference. Your heart rate makes a whole difference. So, most not enough trainers, I believe, talk about that. And I don't know if it's just a lack of the education or maybe it's not the belief of that it's as important as it should be, but everyone has their own education. So, I just like to take bits and pieces from where I get my knowledge and apply it to however I can communicate to these guys.
0: I think well, I was going to say, I think the, the average uh, trainer. It's just in there trying to get a paycheck real quick. They're not really too worried about the client. I really believe that for the people that I've interacted with, they're just like, all right, can I get my what it was it like 120 bucks, my cut of the 120 and get this client <laughs> out of here? That that's the interactions I've had. But maybe I'm not a very special person.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it just no, depends no, too, on the too, like with that you're
3: the, with. Kind of going back to the breathing, like it probably coming from your swimming background where I'm I'm not a professional swimmer, but I assume that breathing and, you know, while you're trying to swim underwater is a huge, huge thing. So then translating that to basketball and, and other sports that for athletes that you're training probably pays off a lot more where, as we're opposed to a normal trainer that doesn't have the swing background, doesn't realize how important it is.
1: Yep, absolutely. And that's, that's truly where I started to learn that as you're trying to increase your work capacity, how can, how can I swim longer and how could I, you know, swim faster with a slower heart rate as my set continues to go on? And that's what I try to teach them in their workouts. I want you to be able to continue to work and you get towards the end of your workout and your heart rate is actually lower than it was in the beginning of the workout, but now you're lifting heavier weights and same thing on the court.
0: Holy cow. Yeah. I've never thought of any of that. It's very intricate. Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a different way to communicate it, isn't it?
0: So do right. you do like meditation with those guys too then? Cause that's also a big breathing thing as well. Right.
1: Oh yeah, it is. Um, if, if I can get these guys to sit still for, you know, two <laughs> minutes, then I'm, I'm successful, but <laughs> so getting them to meditate for, you know, a couple minutes is nearly impossible.
0: <laughs> do you, do you have any other good stories that are or funny stories in particular about some of these guys and girls and girls
1: and girls? Um, I think the, the best part, and it's not even really a particular story. It's just seeing them go through the workouts and how hard that they work. And by the time they get to the end of their workout and they're just laid out on the floor and most of them, they just look at me like, do you get pleasure out of torturing us? And I'm like, no, I don't get pleasure out of it, but I do get pleasure out of the fact that y'all are getting better and that you're working hard and that you're this beat. So that way the next time it's just not as bad.
3: (laughs) So you gotta lean into the more I enjoy your pain, yes. more.
1: I think. Yes. <laughs> I have enjoy their pain sinister. a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. I. Right. Like, you gotta feel the pain. If you if you're not feeling how hard it is, then you'll never be proud of yourself. Like if you never mm-hmm. get to the point where it's like, man, this freaking sucks, and you just hate it but at the end of the day you get to the end of that workout and you're just feeling so accomplished you'd never be proud of how hard that work actually took to be able to get to the point that you
3: are love it yeah what do you got kevin you got something Uh, i was just saying like also like because kind of obviously you're dealing with high school athletes and a lot of times and so they're coming in and they're not only developing physically but you know emotionally and as a person as well do you have do you like incorporate any Cause there's a lot of parallels between sports and life. There are a lot of like almost life lessons are preparing them for the college experience of, Hey, these are things that are going to be happening that you have to be prepared for.
1: Yeah. I think most of it really just comes upon having the conversations with them and being able to connect with them as a person and helping them understand, you know, when you get to college, things are going to be different. You're not going to have mom and dad around you to hold your hand or your coaches to hold your hand. So you have to hold yourself accountable and, that's the point that I want them to get to as, you know, adults within their high school career. You know, how can you take that responsibility? And I'm always in communication with their parents as they're in high school, even once they get into college and I'm still working with them, I'm still connecting with their parents because to be honest with you, they need their parents to be able to kind of hold them accountable when they're at home and they're not not with me, right? Mm -hmm. But I expect them to be responsible for themselves when they come to me for their workouts, if they're going to miss a workout, if they missed a meal, like that's their responsibility. They have to have some skin in the game. And if they don't, they don't understand the, you know, the magnitude of it or, you know, how much respect can they have for like, this is the workouts that I'm doing. You start taking advantage of it. So those are really the conversations that I start having with them at a really young age. It doesn't matter what age they start with me. They're responsible for themselves.
0: The, the other thing that I, I have a question about, too, do you feel like this helps you, the fact that you were a D1 athlete, a successful D1 athlete, and you're in great shape yourself? For me, when, I, when I'd go to the gym and I was looking for a trainer, I'd wanna, I wouldn't want the guy that was this fat guy that was sitting, standing in the corner behind the desk just waiting for somebody to become a client for him. I was like, I want that dude that's ripped, that's going to tell like, work me. I, I want to do it with somebody that's already accomplished it. So do you feel yep. like those things have helped you uh, connect with these guys and girls? And women
1: I mean yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I've been through it myself. I've been through I've been through the pain of you know how hard is it to actually get to a, a more elite level than the high school position. And yes, I haven't been through the position to be able to go to NBA, but I understand how hard it is. And that being able to communicate that with them and relate to them, I think that's really what sets me apart from other coaches. You know, I let them know like I've, everything that you do in your workout, I do in my own personal workouts as well. I understand how hard it is and how it feels. So I'm never gonna give them something that I wouldn't personally do myself for a workout. But more than that, I mean, I connect with them. They're people first and foremost, before they're athletes. And and everyone has stress outside of their own sport. And if you can't connect with them as a person, how can you help them be a better athlete? So getting to that point and helping, them become a friend but now I'm a coach because there has to be a hard line between the two that's important to me and that's where you know I'm able to get results from them to be able to have that they trust me I can get compliance from them and that's where a lot of coaches may find that downfall is if you can't get compliance from them and they don't trust you if they don't believe in your program how are you going to be able to get them to the next level how are you going to get them to show up to practice and do what they need to do so then that point now you can give them a, a program that you believe in now they believe in the results start to come when now I'm able to collaborate with other coaches you know I'm able to you know take bits and pieces of things that I've learned from my own past from other coaches that I'm, con- that I'm connecting with to be able to have a result and a program that's going to work for each athlete
3: and how, how in contact are you with their coaches? Because you're dealing with some like Dawson Garcia, like a high profile basketball player. Like, are you in contact with his high school coaches, like kind of tailoring workouts that they're already doing with their, like, whether it's at practice and things like that, so that we kind of work together, or is it completely separate?
1: Oh, absolutely. I talk to all their high school coaches and all their college coaches. It doesn't matter if they haven't even been to their college yet, um, if they're going through their recruiting process. Like, I'm not, if they want me to, they're, and they allow me to. I will talk to their college coaches. What do they want to see in this player? What are they, you know, what are they faulting in in their practices? What needs to be better? Their their vertical is not so great. Their lateral steps aren't that great. Um, how can we improve that? For for instance, with Zeke, that was the, one of the first conversations I had with his coach Kenny Novak. What is he not doing so great on the court that I needed to improve in in the weight room for him? For him, it was being able to be conditioned to constantly run and run and run, and his lateral steps, his, the quickness. He needed to be able to guard all five posts without a problem. He needed to be able to get down in a stance. His mobility needed to be able to be on par to be able to get down in a stance and guard all those positions. And if they didn't, that was a problem. So that's how we improved that. Same thing for um, some of the other guys I've had, for instance, Kerwin and Dawson, I talked to both of their coaches and how they're going off to college. What do they see that they need to improve on before they get to college? Mobility and their first step quickness. That's what I need from them. Okay, let's make it happen. So that when they get out to college, they're ready to go and they're not just a freshman walking in. It almost is as if they're the end of their freshman year or a sophomore walking in on their first day of their freshman year. That's different than just someone walking in
0: do these, these uh, colleges end up sending you what their strength and conditioning programs are and try to force you to change what you do?
1: Oh, or no. Do you they, incorporate they, it or? I'll incorporate. They won't force me to change anything. <laughs> they, cause they know that what I'm doing right now, clearly it's working to some degree, but I actually asked to reach out to them if they haven't reached out to me. I did the same. I did with Arizona. I've done it with UNC. I did it with Marquette. Um, when, uh, Kerwin was going through his recruiting process. I talked to a handful of other coaches as well around the country. I'm like, what is the programs that you guys are doing? What are the things that you've seen that have been successful and what things can I add to the program that I'm currently doing with these guys to help them before they get to your program. Yeah. And that's the way the collaborative approach that I approach. I mean, I'm humble enough to understand and to know that I don't know it all and I'm not going to be an expert at everything. And I don't plan to be no coach is ever going to be. And if anyone says so, kick them to the curb, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if, if I'm, I'm willing and I love to collaborate with all these other coaches, the trade conditioning coaches, the head coaches, because they've seen it all. They've been around for quite a long time, but we're all still learning. All of us coaches, we're all still learning every single day. The fitness field is changing all the time. So oh, yeah. that's what I love about the position that I get to be in. That's honestly where I think I see the results is because I collaborate with so many other coaches and, Facilities and people in the in the big parts of the game.
0: That's awesome. You know, before we wrap everything up, I want to give you some rapid fire. So I'm going to say some things, and I want you to say the first word that comes to your mind.
1: Oh boy! Okay. You ready? Yep.
0: Are you sure? I don't
1: know. I'm a little nervous. All right,
0: we'll start with Zeke.
1: Oh gosh, determined.
0: All right, Kerwin.
1: He is headstrong. Absolutely. Dawson. A goofball.
0: <laughs> Paige.
1: Oh gosh, she's a, the one of the hardest workers that I've met. Maya. She always has a smile on her face. That girl is just happy as can be.
0: <laughs> Elvis. Ready to work. Camden.
1: That kid, sh- I love that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I have I can't even say that man, I just love that kid. He comes in with a smile on his face. They all come in with a smile on their, their face, but that kid, he just so happy to be there. He come he leaves that room with after just being so happy after having a workout. And Jameson. He's a hard worker. Amaya? She's a hard worker too. Man, I got, I got, man, my, my vocabulary sucks right now, y'all. <laughs> Can I just say that for all of them? They're all, honestly, they're all hardworking. They're all disciplined. They're all, they're all keep coming and they're happy to be there. You know, some days they hate me, some days they love me, and that's the, that's the nature of the game. But, you know,
3: I've got a word to add to the list: Bulgarian split squats.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who hates them the worst? Dawson.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I believe that.
1: Absolutely. Dawson. Oh, my gosh. He is the one. He would run a marathon before doing those.
0: The The craziest thing, too, is, is the, the common theme, too, is it sounds like they're just very nice kids. And people with, you know, the situations that they're in, it's very rare that people stay humble and genuine during those situations. So it's very cool to hear about them, that they're just good people.
1: They are. And that's what's important, is I want them to be able to grow up and and be a good adult, be a good person, and, you know, be a better teammate. And if they can't learn that when they're in a high school season, how can they be, continue to be a great player as they get into college and NBA or WNBA for that matter? They have to learn it now.
0: Have you ever turned people away because you, you've gotten a bad vibe from them? You're just like, ah, you know what, I know it's not going to be a good
1: fit. No, it usually it's not me honestly turning someone away. It's just that they more don't continue to come back. And at that point, if they're not continuing to come back, it's because they're not ready and willing to put the work in. And I have those hard conversations. I've had them several times with, you know, quite a few of the athletes that you've already mentioned. You know, I had to pull them aside. And I I will not do it in front of other people. I don't find that that's respectful. I always respect their privacy and their boundaries. But I will pull a player aside and and let them know, I know you have more effort to give. And if I don't start seeing it, then something's going to change and they they take it to heart you know and it's not me not me being an asshole it's not me just you know trying to give them tough love it's more just me just trying to say you know what give it all you got or it's time to move on
3: yeah that's real. are are your sessions mostly one-on-one are they group sessions like how are there how many kids are usually working with at one one time
1: both. I work with quite a few of them one-on-one, um, but I also do groups of twos and fours and sixes, and I love actually having them in a group, especially when they play for different teams, because then they get to see how hard are these other players working, and mm-hmm. they're going to be competing against them you know, in the high school season. Most of them oh. already know each other from AAU. They, they have played with them at some point in time, or they know of each other, but that's the best part is that they get to start competing because they're athletes first and, you know, at the, at their heart and their core, they want to compete. They want to win.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, and then, um, you operate out of lifetime, correct? Correct. Is that just, okay. Do you have any aspirations of maybe starting up your own gym or training facility or right now are you kind of cool with the lifetime route?
1: I like where I'm at right now, but I do have plans and at some point in time I want to have my own facility that's, you know, primarily within the sports field, and it's really becoming a place for um, people, for for prospects that are going to be NBA or, you know, going through their draft that agents can send their athletes to. There is no place in the Midwest that there is a facility for something like that. Most of those facilities mm. are housed out of Um, Chicago or LA or Las Vegas, or even down in like Miami, like the bigger parts of the country with big cities. And we are an international airport here. So it's easy for people to get here. We also have amazing training facilities here. And we have, you know, we have TCO, we have that that TCO training stadium. So there's a lot that can happen here. And I just don't think it's a market that's been tapped into yet. So that's truly my plan at some point is to create that training house for myself. To say, awesome. hey, I want – if you're going through the draft, okay, let's come here. We're going to collaborate here. We're going to keep you safe here. There's so many other things to do here in Minnesota um, to keep them out of trouble still, but keep them <laughs> focused on what their goal is.
2: And I was curious on uh, what specific lifetime are you working out of?
1: I'm in St. Louis Park.
2: St. Louis Park. Okay, oh, I go, so to Louis, I go that one. Oh, wait, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> all, of our, <laughs> all of our listeners, if you want to tap in with Ashley, St. Louis Park lifetime. That's
1: where it's at. I've I've
0: gone a few times. I'm not I'm not that top of the line. I, I stick around the Prior Lake area. <laughs> <laughs> <Can> <laughs> it's
1: a little bit of a drive.
0: There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: really... I have Dawson drive that three, four times a week.
0: Oh Dawson'll drive anywhere. That he oh, comes. Absolutely. He'll drive down to Jordan. If there's a basketball and a hoop or if there's weights and he needs to get it in, he'll go.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that kid loves to work out.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that does not surprise me at all. If, if you were up in Duluth, I bet he'd make the drive once a day for you if you were up there.
1: Oh, for sure. Good
0: well, stuff. Ashley, we really appreciate you coming on the show, and we'd love to have you back whenever you want to come back. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks. I appreciate it,
2: guys. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.